Hello fam, and welcome back to Well Isn't That Interesting, a podcast where we explore all the interesting things in our world. As I always insist at the beginning of every episode, I'm not an expert on anything we talk about, so I may get information wrong. But I'm trying my darndest to accurately pass on what I find to you. So with that all out of the way, let's get started. Most of the time when you're looking at research, you either find information that is designed for someone who knows absolutely nothing about the material or information for people who already fully understand the topic and just want updates on new developments. For this reason, this episode is about computer parts. I am currently in the process of picking parts for a new desktop. I have built a desktop before, but when I did that, I mostly used an online guide. I know what all the pieces of a computer do and how they work together, but I'm not very good at picking pieces for a computer. Trying to figure out what pieces were good for my computer was infuriating because of how much tech creators assume about their viewers. You've got the first group who assume that you know pretty much everything and just want them to tell you the specs of the part and you'll figure it out on your own. Then on the opposite side there are tech YouTubers that assume you know literally nothing about a computer and describe the workings of a computer using no technical lingo whatsoever, which is ultimately unhelpful. The few things I found in the middle of these two criteria were hard to find and very far and few between. So all that being said, basically I'm going to go piece by piece through a computer and describe the basic function in useful lingo so that if you're making your own computer, you can slice through the technical jargon a little easier. This is also useful information even if you are intending to buy a computer instead of building one because the same parts are found in every computer. So when we're talking about a computer, there are eight major components. One, the CPU or central processing unit, also known as a chip. Two, RAM or random access memory. Three, HD, which usually stands for high definition, but in this case stands for hard drive. Four, the GPU or graphics processing unit, also referred to as a graphics card. Five, the motherboard. This is not an acronym. If it were, it'd be very long. Six, PSU or power supply unit, seven, cooling system, eight, the case. There are more components to computers, like capture cards, sound cards, CD drives, floppy drives, and many more that have gone in and out of fashion throughout the history of computing. But at the current moment, the Bay 8 are the ones you need when building a computer, and the rest can be added as specific needs arise. Okay, time to discuss the different parts of the computer, starting with the CPU. The central processing unit is the brains of the computer. It's where all the computations are done. When we are talking about a CPU, there are only two real companies that make them, Intel and AMD. I don't have enough information on either companies to give any sort of assessment, but what I can say is that they will fit into the motherboard slightly differently. So when you choose a CPU, keep in mind which company you got it from and how it fits into the motherboard because you need one compatible with the CPU you choose. Central processing units, in general, have two major criteria people judge them on. The first is the number of cores, and the second is the number of threads. Each core processor does computations, ciphering your ones and zeros, and doing the work of the computer. A thread is just a pathway that brings information to the cores. 
you can think of a core as a worker and a thread as a conveyor belt. Now, while you are looking through stuff, you will hear about physical and logical cores. Physical cores are physically on the chip, while logical cores are more of a concept to try to explain core and thread interactions. Basically, if you have multiple threads going to the same core, it can speed up your processing because the core can switch back and forth between the two streams of information, like one worker managing two conveyor lines. Say you have one core and two threads. Your physical core count would be one, and your logical core count would be two. Although these numbers are different, they are describing the same core thread setup. As a general idea, a higher core count is often better depending on what you are wanting the computer to achieve. The next part of the computer is the RAM. Random access memory is basically like short-term memory. For RAM, you want to look at speed, size, and DDR. DDR stands for double data rate, and not Dance Dance Revolution, unfortunately. This is just a technical term that means it can go faster. It's recommended to go with the highest number of DDR accessible, which at the time of recording is DDR4, with DDR5 on the horizon. Even when DDR5 does become available, you'll still have to wait for there to be motherboards that support it, because different generations don't work with one another. RAM speed is measured by how fast it can complete a cycle, this is called clock speed and is represented by a number of gigahertz or megahertz. Although you will get an increase in performance with faster speeds, it is usually dwarfed by the increase in money you will spend. So it's recommended to focus more on capacity than speed. Capacity is measured in gigabytes or megabytes if you have an older computer. Again, it's nicer to have more capacity, but it's not something to go overboard on because your CPU and graphics card can only use so much before it's no longer providing a noticeable effect on the outcome. RAM usually comes in intervals of 8, 16, 32, or 64 gigs. The standard today is 16 gigs, and getting 32 or more is usually not recommended at this time because it's unlikely the other parts of your computer will be able to fully utilize it. Also keep in mind that RAM is the most easily upgradable and replaceable part of your computer. So if you have four random access memory slots in your computer and you get two RAM sticks that equal 16 gigs, and later you realize that you want more, you can always go back and buy more, which is not the case for other things. You can't upgrade your CPU by adding other CPUs, and you can't just put more cores onto your CPU, unfortunately. Getting mid-range RAM is usually recommended because tweaking later is very accessible. Also, it's recommended when buying RAM not to buy one stick of the size you want to buy, but to get two sticks that add up to the amount you want because that works more efficiently. So if you're going for 16 gigs, get two eight gig RAM sticks. That's usually how it's sold anyway, so it's not hard to find. Now let's go on to hard drives, which is another quite modular thing about the computer. The hard drive, sometimes referred to as HD, is basically the long-term storage of the computer. It's where all the information on the computer is stored. Therefore, just like RAM, the two most important criteria are speed and capacity. However, unlike RAM, speed is actually quite important for hard drives. 
capacity is really easy to talk about because it's basically just the size of the device. There is really no reason to not go as high as you can within your budget and within the speed you choose. Newer and faster HDs cost more, so 500 gigs is standard. Or you can save money and get an older and slower HD, which gets one terabyte of storage. When we talk about speed, we have to mention that there are currently three types of hard drives on the market. SSDs, SDs, and hybrids. SD stands for spinning disk, which means that there's a spinning disk like a CD spinning inside of it. SD speed is measured in RPMs, or rotations per minute. These hard drives are older and tend to be cheaper. SSDs, which stand for solid state drives, are much faster but can also be much more expensive. Then you have hybrids, which are basically an SD and an SSD stuck together and coded in a way where hopefully the information you use more often is stored on the faster SSD and the stuff used less often is stored on the SD. Unlike other parts of your computer, you don't need to only choose one or the other. You can get an SSD and an SD and create your own hybrid hard drive. Often people will put their operating system and important applications on the SSD and then put all their bulk storage and less used applications on the SD. That's also why SSDs are sometimes referred to as boot drives because the main purpose of them is to boot your operating system really fast. I do want to emphasize that even though SDs are not as fast, the speed is still important for them and it is highly recommended to get an SD with a higher RPM because it does improve performance. The next part of the computer that we're going to talk about is the GPU. The first thing we've got to get out of the way is that the GPU is not actually the same thing as a graphics card. The graphics card is basically like a smaller version of the whole computer, where the GPU is like a CPU that is strictly focused on processing graphics. So all the specs from earlier are still important, like the amount of video RAM and core clock speed. There's also memory bandwidth, which is basically just how fast the information can travel between the parts of the graphics card. Another important thing is how well your device can cool itself down. Graphics cards tend to get very hot, so having a good cooling system is imperative so that your device doesn't overheat and melt. Although particular specs are important to look at, it is also very important when looking at graphics cards to look at benchmarking. Benchmarking is when you take a piece of equipment, in this case a graphics card, and you put it through various simulations to see how it performs. Another good reason to look at benchmarking is because of architecture, which is coding that instructs the graphics card on how to operate. New architecture can increase performance of the GPU without increasing physical specs, making direct comparisons between generations misleading. The last important thing to know about graphics cards is that there are two big GPU sellers, NVIDIA and AMD. They make GPUs and fashion them into their own graphics card. However, they are not the only ones that make graphics cards. They sell their GPUs to other companies which use them to make their own graphics cards with their own twist. So although two computers might have the same GPU, their graphics cards might run differently because they might have a different amount of RAM 
one might cool better than the other, or one might have two GPUs while the other might only have one. Getting multiple GPUs is not always the best thing because a lot of applications can't take advantage of multiple cores. Most of the time, it is better to get one higher quality GPU than two lower quality ones. All of this shows is that just because the GPU is the same does not mean that the graphics cards are the same. Next is the motherboard. This is what everything else will slot into. So it's very important to make sure that your motherboard is compatible with everything else you have chosen. The two most important factors when choosing a motherboard is size and slots. Because we all know size matters. There are three size factors motherboards come in. The largest being ATX, the middle being micro ATX, and the smallest being mini ITX. The smaller it is, the easier it is to find places for it. But you will have less ports and less ability to upgrade or adapt down the line. Currently, the standard is ATX, which is the largest and also gives a lot of flexibility when making the rest of your rig. The next thing to talk about is ports. This is where compatibility is very, very important. For starters, both the major CPU companies have different sockets. So when choosing a motherboard, you have to make sure that it is compatible with both the company you choose and the generation of CPU you choose because different generations have different connections. You also have to make sure that the RAM is compatible with your motherboard. Make sure you get desktop RAM if you're making a desktop and not laptop RAM because they're not cross compatible. Laptop RAM is called SODIM and desktop RAM is called DIM. Laptop RAM is about half the size of desktop RAM and they don't work with each other so you need to know what you're looking at. You also have to make sure that the generation you're getting is compatible with the generation of your motherboard. Basically, when you're making a computer, you should make sure all of the components are from the same general time period. If you're making a modern PC, get all of your parts from around the same couple of years that are compatible with each other. Likewise, if you're making a retro rig, make sure that all the parts are from around the same couple of years because those are more likely to be compatible. You'll still need to double check compatibility, but you're more likely to succeed if they're around the same age. As a rule of thumb, the older you go, the less universal pieces of a computer become, and the more particular you'll have to be to make sure everything works together. The next thing to consider is the number of ports, especially the number of RAM ports, because the more holes, the better. This will determine the maximum amount of RAM that you can install. Getting more ports is usually recommended because it makes it easier to upgrade later. PCIe slots are where you put your graphics card and any additional sound cards you may purchase, which we will not be going over in this video as they are optional. It's nice to have additional PCI slots to fit these things as well as everything else you have to plug in afterwards. Currently, PCIe 3 is most prevalent with only a few motherboards having PCIe 4, which is backwards compatible. So if you get a motherboard with PCIe 4, but a graphics card using PCIe 3, you will be good. The weight of your graphics card can also be important. If it's particularly heavy, you might want to consider getting a reinforced PCIe port. That means they have extra support around it so it doesn't break your motherboard. 
I've had problems with graphics cards coming loose, so it's good to support it because they can be very heavy. You also want to make sure that your motherboard has all the ports you want on the back so that you can plug everything you want into it. From my personal point of view, you can never have enough USB ports because no matter how many I get, I always need more. If you're into sound quality, you might also want to make sure that there's a good sound port and all of that stuff. And last is all the add-ons that you want. RGB, added cooling, onboard Wi-Fi, basically all of the things that turn a good motherboard into a great motherboard. This can also turn a mid-range motherboard into a really expensive motherboard if you go overboard. The next thing up to bat is your power supply, also known as how everything in your computer gets juice. The basic purpose of the power supplies is to transform AC, alternating current, from your wall to DC, direct current, which is what your computer uses. There are three key components when choosing a power supply. Size, wattage, and efficiency. Not like that, get your mind out of the gutter. When considering the size, most cases support one of two size factors, ATX or SFX. There are others, but these are the two most common. And you just have to make sure that the power supply fits in the case you choose. Then you have to figure out how many watts you need. This is how much energy all the components in your computer will need to run. There are a lot of sites that will do this for you if you select all the components that you've chosen. You can also judge it or double check using the TDP, Thermal Design Profile, number on each component. You can tell by the name that this is not really designed to calculate the number of watts you need, but to tell you how much heat it will produce so that you can know how to cool your system appropriately. This number can be modified to give you a good estimate on how to power your rig. It's recommended if you use this method to multiply your TDP with a safety factor of 1.5 as doing this calculation backwards can't account for potential lost energy. I would recommend just using this to double check the math of a website like PC Part Picker, which will produce a more reliable estimate for you. It's always good to have a little extra instead of not enough because you want to make sure that you have enough power for your system. But don't go overboard because it can be really strenuous on your power supply. It's basically the Goldilocks principle of not wanting too much or too little, but just the right amount. The efficiency, which is basically how good it is at transferring energy from the wall outlet to your computer, is ranked in a system. They all start with 80 plus, and then they have a quality of nothing, bronze, silver, gold, platinum, or titanium, which is the highest quality you can get. The more efficient it is, the less energy is lost from your wall to your various components. This is definitely not a place to skimp out because if your power supply suddenly dies, it can easily take the rest of your system down with it. Spending the money on something more efficient and reliable is always better than having to rebuy your whole system because you bought a cheap and or off-brand power supply. Now let's move on to the cooling system. All the fancy equipment you get will be for naught if the system overheats and dies. Having a good cooling system is important to compact this problem. A lot of components we've discussed already have cooling systems built in, like graphics cards and CPUs, and sometimes the RAM will have it too. It's important to have additional cooling, mostly to make sure that after the heat gets away from the part itself, 
you can sweep it out of your PC altogether. The two major types of cooling are water cooling and air cooling. There used to be earth cooling, but then the fire cooling attacked. Air cooling systems use fans to pull in cold air to your PC and blow out hot air. Water cooling systems circulate fluids around your computer through pipes inside your case, or by submerging the whole PC into fluids and cooling the circulating fluids to keep the other parts cool. Water cooling can be more efficient, but it's a lot riskier and not recommended for novices to use. There's an even riskier sub-zero liquid cooling system that runs a below-freezing liquid through your PC. This is only used for the most high-end systems that produce the most heat and is definitely not recommended unless you know what you're doing because you can very easily ruin your whole setup. Water cooling versus air cooling is a very complex subject that could make up its own video and I might delve into it more in the future. Finally, and probably least importantly, is the case. This is the fun part of the build, and the only thing you have to worry about is that it fits all the components and you have all the parts you need, because, again, you can never have too many USB ports. If you want to use a USB drive or a floppy drive, make sure it has a place to put those. Whatever power supply you've chosen needs to fit in the power supply bay, and the motherboard needs to be compatible with the case. Otherwise, you can go wild and get some RGB or a glass side panel so that you can see all your pieces in action. The sky's the limit and your budget's the limit. I would recommend choosing this as close to last as you can because once you've used your budget on everything else, you can choose what case you want slash need. I don't recommend downgrading any part of your computer to get a fancier case because the case is just cosmetic and holds your pieces together compactly. The case can always be replaced at a later date if you want something fancier down the line. To sum things up, you can't go wrong with buying mid-tier components, but if you have the extra money, I recommend putting it towards a higher-end graphics card, and after that, a better CPU, as it is practically impossible to upgrade or replace. Those are all the main components of a functional computer, but we're not quite done. Remember that a computer itself does nothing without an operating system, so Windows or Linux are your main options. Windows is usually the go-to because Linux can be difficult for beginners, but if you're up for the challenge, go crazy. You also need the hardware, like a monitor, keyboard, mouse, controllers, speakers, microphone, webcam, etc. Basically everything you need to enjoy your experience. Those are all the basics of PCs. I hope you have found this informational. If you want to know where I did my research, my sources are in the YouTube description, as well as my new website linked below. If you want to get in contact with me, I'm Cat on the Go on YouTube and Happy Pie on Twitter. Also, a shout out to Kelsey Joe who made the new channel art. Link to her Vimeo in the description. I hope you've had a good time and have learned something new. Cheers!